Good morning, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and yeah, we're gonna talk about some stuff on It's Time to Talk About It. Yeah. I'm being a dork. Well, let's just jump in the trenches and let's wade through this mud. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to contact me on the links down in the description below. Drop a question in the community Q&A if you're on Anchor uh, or on Spotify. So yeah. Also, I'm on Spoon, so if you want to see the chill side of Sarah Jane, go right ahead and add me on Spoon. Rogue Radio. Go find me. Yeah. That way you guys can kind of like sit and chill and you guys you guys don't have to like freaking um you don't have to listen to me bark all the time you know i'll just let you guys talk I'll, i want to interact with you guys and this this connect intro is a little too long so let's just let's just go let's just get into this We're gonna uh, put the break in the middle just because um, this is a long segment. There's only three, so let's just go to the break. Cue uh, advertisement me. Anyway, today I will be talking about OCD. Now, there's, I mean, in this. Uh, new generation in this new age that we're living in in 2021, there's many different uh, branches of OCD. But I'm going to be talking about the ones that I know very well of. Um, some of them do pertain to like the, the ones that I did talk about, or not talk about, the ones that I did learn about on Psych2Go. But um, Psych2Go has different um, videos on different mental illnesses, and I love to learn about them because, for one, I, I'm a recovery coach, and I need to learn about that stuff in case uh, somebody turns up, you know, with a uh, certain condition that I don't know about. I'd rather be prepared. Um, and it, they make it a very fun and cute way to learn about mental illness, so if you are not subscribed to Psych2Go on YouTube, go! It's Psych number two and go. Go! And watch their videos. They're very creative in how they teach people on mental illness. I love it. It's adorable. It's cute. They, they make learning about that stuff very cute. They make psychology adorable. But anyway, um... To anyone who doesn't know what OCD is, uh, OCD stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Obsessive Compulsive Disorder can manifest itself in many different ways. So, um, long time ago, I was diagnosed with OCD. I liked things a certain way, um, but it wasn't... Uh, the stereotypical type of OCD. I've talked about this before in my testimony. Um, basically, what I suffered from was an internalized type of OCD, where 
I wanted to organize my thoughts. Um, and that is a branch called Puro. Now, Puro is, um, it pertains to three different things. Um, it centers itself around three different things. And one thing before I say this is that OCD is a mental illness that challenges who you are. It, it questions who you really are. It tricks you into believing that you're this way instead of who you actually are. It's, it's an identity um, type of illness because um, some people who have internalized OCD or Puro, they have certain thoughts, like intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts are thoughts that don't um, pertain to your character that just come up out of nowhere. That is um, what we call in intrusive thoughts. And intrusive thoughts in Puro, they um, center around three main themes. There's pedophilia, there's murder, and then there is religious. So when I say these things, I'm going to um, talk to you about them and explain to you. Some people may have intrusive thoughts, meaning like they're not that. They know that they're not that, but they have um, intrusive thoughts of molesting a child, but they know that they would never do that. And that's, they have a problem with that, of course. Um, there's normal people out there that have intrusive thoughts about that, and they hate that. They hate that. Um, they, they know that they would never do that, and, um, they want to be able to be fixed, basically. They, they don't want that to be something that they want in their minds. Um, another one is murder. People have intrusive thoughts of murdering somebody they love or hurting somebody they love, being very violent to someone. And, um, they know that they would never do that. Um, as far as religion goes, religion is the same thing. Like, with me, I had the religious part because I grew up in a Christian family and the Christian family that I lived in was very, very, very religious. They just did everything by the book, like the book book, not the Bible book, but the just like the rule book. Um, always pray before you eat. Like if I didn't eat, if I ate before I prayed, my family would look at me, like give me a dirty look. Um, or let's see, if I didn't tithe and my family knew I had money, they'd be like, why didn't you give to the church? God's not going to trust you with money anymore. I'm like, dude, stop. <laughs> um, what's another one? Um, oh yeah, if you don't like Lord, this 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 was something that um, I struggled with in, in the church that I was at. If you didn't like the worship songs and you said something about it, the people in the church would immediately get offended and be like, they would defend the the songs to a T because I know I'm going to get a little bit off topic, but I will come back. But basically, the old church that I was uh, at, they sang a lot of Hillsong, Jesus Culture, Bethel, and Evelation worship songs. 
I'm not saying that any of those worship bands or worship groups are bad. They're not bad. They're actually really good. But I have a problem with those songs being played the same songs. Like, think of it as like when Oceans came out, everybody, even people who weren't Christian, were singing that song. They loved that song. It was something hypnotic about that song. But, okay. The church played that until it died. That's the problem I have. If you're just having a bunch of worship songs, the same worship songs, picked, and you have it on repeat every single Sunday and Wednesday, okay, I'm not going to feel the spirit because now it's a routine. Religion rotates around routine. And at some point, that routine is going to get old and that's not what God's about. God doesn't want routine. He wants your real soul. He wants you. He wants to see the real you and how you worship. There's so many different ways that people can worship. Now I'm, now I'm starting to get on fire. I'm going to start preaching now. <laughs> But anyway, as far as the religious part goes, which I suffered from, um, it was all about dressing nice and looking nice and, and being prim and proper and pristine and pretty. That's a lot of peas. And at some point, I broke because I felt like I wasn't good enough for God. And, and that's why I believe that religion and OCD kind of coincide because OCD centers around routine just like religion does. And I wanted to talk about this because, you know, I was at a worship service yesterday and it opened my eyes to, to some stuff about mental illness and, and what needs to be broken off of some people. So, yes, I, I wanted to talk about this. So, Puro is consisted around those three things. Now, I know, like I said, I've said a lot of this in, in my testimony, but I want to talk about it a little more just in case someone out there doesn't actually um, know like what I've gone through um, pertaining OCD. But uh, the OCD that I went through, the, the physical things that I went through was... Um, I would tense my body up. Uh, I would just like, oh, tense up. Like, I don't want to sound silly or funny, but you know how like you tense up when you're taking a poop or something like that. Like, I would just like tense up, like, out of fear um, when an intrusive thought came into my head. It was basically paralyzing. It was. Um, there were times when I could not function throughout the day. Um, I would mumble and shake my head under my breath. I looked like a crazy person, so I can understand why certain people used to say that I was crazy. Because I don't say crazy, I say troubled. I don't believe anybody should be called crazy unless they're criminally insane, which is another topic entirely. Um, but calling somebody crazy is, is, um... It's like a racial slur to somebody who's going through a mental illness. You don't want to talk. 
you don't want to say that to somebody. You don't want that heard. People don't want to hear that who's suffering from that. And I feel like um, the people around me, yeah, they thought I was crazy because that's how I looked. But I was troubled, you know. And um, my one uh, thing that I like obsessed over was um, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I could not fathom that that was a um, unforgivable sin because it does say in Matthew that it's an unforgivable sin. And I was like, what? My God's not all forgiving? Does he love me still? Like, did I ever do that? Because um, the scripture is very vague about um, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So um, it takes a certain type of person to deny the Holy Spirit. I'll just say this. It's basically an atheist. Somebody who is just disconnected from God, doesn't want to learn about God. They think that they're completely right. And they never, ever, ever will turn to God for anything. That's what I mean. Denying the Holy Spirit is only unforgivable to the person who did that. Now, yes, it is unforgivable. The only reason why it's unforgivable is because when that happens, God gives them up to a reprobate mind, meaning he's just going to leave you to yourself. He doesn't leave, leave you, but he's going to leave you alone. Like, just like when a father um, tells you to do something, but you decide to do it anyways, or tells you not to do something and tells you to do it. Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? I'm so sorry. No, it's like a father telling you what you should do, but you don't do it. And you end up doing that thing that you shouldn't have done. Anyways. And for a father to let you learn your lesson, he lets you do it anyway so you can learn the hard way. That's basically what that scripture is about. And uh, I always obsessed over that. I was like, my God's not all forgiving. He doesn't love me. I, I, I don't understand. My God hates me. I must have done it. I'm, I'm a terrible person. I had a very, very low self-esteem problem as well. Um, and that kind of coincides with like the perfectionist uh, mentality where when somebody does their best to be perfect and they end up, you know, failing and then they just end up falling into a deep depression because they didn't, um, you know, achieve that goal in their head or that impossible goal in their head. That's basically what I believe religion is about. Um, being too perfect and not realizing that God still loves you where you're at, whether you're perfect or not. Um, that's the one thing that I kind of suffered with as well. What the heck? God. They're redoing the leasing office over here, so... That was probably what that was. Anyway, they're renovating the office over there. 
anyway, um, but yes, that's how OCD was for me. Um, people may, um, deal with OCD in different ways. Um, I feel like the first thing that people, um, think about when they think of OCD or when they hear about OCD is, oh, that person is very anal, like, they like to organize things and they like to flip the switch up and down a few times and they, uh, they love things to be clean and pristine and they, they love to make everything clean, like, their house is just spotless. That's not always true. That is one side of OCD that um, I feel like the media and society has kind of like exploited. I don't think it's funny, um, but that is a type of OCD. Um, and that can pertain to like many, many different types of trauma uh, flashbacks or trauma memories. Like um, if that person ends up suffering from that type of OCD, they probably um, had a traumatic moment where maybe their mom told them to clean their room and they didn't and then that mother decides to go to work and never comes home because she died of a car accident or something like that. That's how they think. If they don't clean then something bad's going to happen. That's basically the um, theme in their mind, is that, well, my mom died of a car accident because I didn't clean my room. If I cleaned my room, my mom would still be here. And to some people that might seem kind of funny or ridiculous to, um, you know, fathom, like, why are you pertaining it to that when it's not even your fault? It's probably the attitude that the person gave their mom. This is just a scenario, but, um, it is probably, like, the attitude that, um, they gave their mom, like, oh, I'll do it when I want to do it. Go to work, mom. You know, and then all of a sudden, their mom's not there anymore. Like, oh, crap, you know. I miss my mom. You know, I, I, I don't... It, it all, it, it's very, they all very different. They're all very different from each other. Um, there are some people who are OCD that hoard. Um, so when you see the movie, or not the movie, uh, the show Hoarders, where they hoard things, that's an OCD thing. Um, and that could definitely just be um, them saving things. Uh, maybe they have like a, an emotional attachment to certain things because men didn't and they thought they were kind of like thrown away like a piece of trash. Um, and so they hoard the trash because that's how they think of themselves. Or it could just be that they don't want to abandon objects like people have abandoned them. And, um, yeah. And like I said, that could be so many different meanings than just the one that I've talked about. Um, 
So yes, I do believe that religion and OCD kind of coincide. Because religion is very uh, tightly wound. I kind of think of it like a wind-up doll. You have to perform. You have to do this. You have to do that. It's not, you are called to do this. You are called to do that. You are passionate in this area. You have this gift. It's, you have to pray. You have to ask forgiveness. You have to pray before you go to sleep. You have to pray before you eat. You have to give to your church as much money as you can until you have an empty wallet so you don't feed your kids. That's religion. And I do see that in OCD as well, just because of how perfectionist it is. Um, I'm not a perfectionist anymore. I'm not OCD anymore. Um, right now, the house is dirty. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's dirty, but it could be better. <laughs> so, and my mind is at peace. And I will say this till the end of time. People who have mental illnesses that you have been clinically diagnosed with these things, you can recover. It's not just possible, it's achievable. Okay? Recovery is real. It's not just something, it's not just a goal that you can never get to. It is a goal that you can get to. It is a goal that you can achieve, you can touch, you can have for your life. Um, and I'm a walking testimony of that. And I couldn't have done it without God. And I, I know that a lot of people who do listen to me aren't as religious or aren't as, um, aren't as Christian. I don't even like saying religion or religious, <laughs> but I know some people might not agree with that. Or maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're something else. Maybe you believe in something else. That's fine. I love you. I hope you do find God. But, um, for my recovery, that is how I recovered. And, and in my opinion, and in the way that I see things, I don't think anybody can recover fully without God. But, um, that's up to you to decide, really, if you want God to save you. Or if you want God to be your redeemer. The one that frees you from the slavery of mental illness. I can only tell you what I've gone through. I can only tell you how much I love God for freeing me from that. You have to decide that for yourself. But anyway, we are going to listen to some Psych2Go, because they'll explain a whole lot more about different OCD branches than I can. So let's go.
often followed by an urge to do something repeatedly, the compulsion. It is a very serious mental illness that causes a great deal of suffering to those who have it. But did you know that there can be many different ways in which OCD manifests itself? To help you get a better understanding of OCD, here are four different types of OCD and how they manifest. Number one, intrusive thoughts and rumination. When someone with OCD suffers from intrusive thoughts, it's not the occasional disturbing thought now and then. It can be normal for people to have an intrusive thought as they go about their day. Yeah, that is something that a lot of people have that may not actually realize that everybody has some intrusive thoughts but OCD is basically how you treat them um, how you recognize them or how often you have them These thoughts can range in topic and be anything, but some common ones are violent intrusive thoughts, which involve a fear of harming yourself or a loved one, sexual intrusive thoughts, which can involve unwanted thoughts of causing sexual harm to someone or obsessively questioning one's sexuality, and others can involve obsessions on religion and the fear of committing sin, analyzing one's relationship excessively, and magical thinking intrusive thoughts, in which one fears that simply- Oh, I didn't even, um... I forgot about that one. But okay, sorry, I interrupted it. These thoughts are often followed by rituals or compulsions in order to make the bad things not happen. So, um, if you guys didn't hear about that one, the last one, it's basically like ritualistic or relationship tied. So, some people might obsess over their relationship, whether or not they're a good girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, and um, because of that, they may do certain things uh, routine-wise or ritualistic in order to make sure that nothing bad happens in their relationship. Ruminations in OCD are when one dwells upon a question or theme that is unproductive and likely to lead nowhere. Dwells upon for an excessive amount of time, more than your average philosophy. These are often different from intrusive thoughts, as they can be indulged in rather than resisted. Someone with OCD may excessively ruminate about life after death, visualizing every scenario to the detail, leaving them detached and preoccupied from what is going around them. Mm-hmm. So before I we go into the next one, I wanted to talk about that. The thing is with um, people who are suffering from OCD, and I want to say mainly people who are new to it and just started developing it, it will take you to, I wouldn't say a different world, I would say you're too much in your mind that you're not aware of what's going on around you. You're not aware um, if someone's watching you um, have intrusive thoughts or how you react to them. Um, you don't realize what's going on around you. That's something that I used to suffer from too. And some kids, I, I had it uh, in high school. So when I did twitch or react in a bizarre way, kids actually laughed at me. But I mean, they're kids, they're gonna laugh. 
they didn't know what was going on at the time either, so I, I forgive them. It's fine. But that's just an example of what this person is talking about, so we'll go to number two real quick. Checking. The need to check on something. This acts as the compulsion. Checking is often enacted out of a fear something bad will happen, such as a fire, a burglary, or harm to loved ones. This can display itself in a variety of ways. Someone may check in with their family members to gain reassurance about their fears. Or maybe they feel an unrelenting need to check the door repeatedly to make sure it's locked for the fear of a burglary. Someone with OCD may even try to recall past memories to make sure they felt a certain way or didn't cause them more harm. For example, someone with OCD may be obsessing on their thoughts questioning their sexuality when they know, outside of the obsessing, what their sexual preference is. The individual may check or pay attention to their body and go around them, but because they're focused on not wanting this response, the body may automatically generate feelings of arousal. Mm-hmm. As research has shown, our bodies often react to what is sexually relevant and not always what we desire and value. Or, another example, someone with OCD may check an email they've written over and over, analyzing for any imperfections, and fear they may have written something wrong or will offend someone. Could you imagine writing an email to your boss only to check it for minutes on end, all due to a fear you may have written something that could come across as inappropriate and therefore lose your job as a result? We all generally need our jobs, so while this fear may seem to derive from an irrational place, those checking their email for the hundredth time are often afraid of losing something important to them. This is a common fear for those suffering from OCD. In the sense that they love or value something so much, they will strongly feel the need to act out these compulsions to protect what they love. And since what you love and value can often change in your life, OCD will grab a hold of what it is they enjoy and value and try to manipulate it inside of your mind, according to your fears. This is one of the many dark features of OCD. Number three, contamination or mental contamination. Oh. Among those with OCD, there are generally two types of contamination obsessions. One is simply labeled as contamination. Contamination is often characterized by the strong fear of being dirty or contracting from objects or people. This is where the stereotypical one comes in. As they have an obsession with contracting a virus from someone else. Or someone may be excessively brushing their teeth or scrubbing their hands for minutes on end. But a fear of not being clean enough or feeling just right. A lot of physical damage can occur due to these compulsions. Okay. I like the way Psych2Go kind of said all of that stuff. But the one thing that I will say is that um, the physical things uh, that OCD, people who um, suffer from OCD, suffer from, like, physically, like the physical tics and things. Like I said, I might, I might have twitched when I was a kid, uh, when I was younger. Like I twitched and mumbled and and did all sorts of silly things. Um, I don't like saying crazy. I was about to say crazy. I was like, no, no, I might offend somebody. And rightfully so, because I know what it's like to be called crazy. But, anyway, um, what was I gonna say? Uh, some of the physical things that, um, people with OCD do, they might... Like, you know, with symmetry, they might want everything, all their pictures hung up in a certain way, 
um, everything to be level and equal and everything to be in its rightful place and in order, clean, pristine, and pretty. That's one side of it. Sometimes it can be destructive, meaning some- I cannot talk now. OCD people might pick. They might pick their face, their teeth, their nails. Um, I remember I used to rip my cuticles off my fingers and I would just bleed in class. Just my fingers bleeding. <laughs> um, or pick at my face. Um, or bite their nails. Um, or pick at their scabs that they have on their body. Um, they'll always find some sort of abnormality on their body and then they'll pick it off or try to pick it off and then it'll scab up and then they pick it again. Some people chew on their lip. They chew on the inside of their cheek or their lip. Which isn't good either. Um, mm -mm. But anyways, that is the main area um, of physical rituals that people have with OCD. And it could consist of many, many, many different things. Um, it all depends on how consistent they do them. Um, and that's why I believe that OCD and religion have the same type of um, undertone to them. Because OCD is very routine, very ritualistic. Same thing with religion. Religion says, say, as many Hail Marys um, as there are on the beads of your rosary. Um, religion says, give until your pockets are empty. Um, give to the poor, or go on missions trips, or you're not good enough to God, or what's another one? Um, pray before you eat, pray before you go to bed, pray, 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 pray for your family or you're going to hell. Um, ask for forgiveness or you're going to hell. All this other stuff. Um, it's always damned if you do or damned if you don't with religion and with OCD. Because nothing's ever good enough in either of them. Um, some worship songs are OCD. Sorry, Hillsong and Bethel and, you know... Jesus culture and all those other ones that sound same. That's OCD to me. That's why I don't like to listen to them very much. They have a they have beautiful music. They do. I'm not saying that um I don't listen to them because I do. But I don't listen to them repeatedly like a broken record because sometimes if I do that, it reminds me of where I used to be. That reminds me of where I used to be. And I don't like being where I used to be. God doesn't want me to be where I used to be. God sees where I used to be. He wants better for me. He wants better for you. He don't want you to be where you used to be. He don't want you to be where you're at. He wants you. There's always a better place. God's always preparing a better place in your life. Isn't that amazing? Like, God prepares a place and you get to it. And he's like, you wait right there. You wait right there. You serve me here. But guess what? I got something better for you. I'm, I'm, I'm making it right now. It's beautiful. You just wait right there and I'll call you when it's ready. And when, you're, when it's ready and you go to him, it is 
much, much more beautiful than what you really were at in the past. It is God's always preparing a place for you. God don't want you to stay. Y'all have to do... Okay, yeah, now you want to stop. <laughs> They're doing work outside. Okay. <laughs> this would happen when I start preaching. <laughs> you don't have to stay in your OCD. You don't have to stay in your mental illness. It doesn't have to be OCD that I'm talking about. It can be depression, it can be schizophrenia, it could be Tourette's, it could be anything, okay? God doesn't want you to live in that because that's what the psychologists say, that's what the psychiatrists say, that's what the doctors say because they want you to stay broken because that is their money. You develop something, just like a sickness of the body, it can be cured. It can be, it can get better. You can recover from anything. You know how beautiful the human body is that it can recover from any injury? It heals itself. That's amazing. With the mind, yeah, you need God for that. Because, unfortunately, with the mind... The mind is a mysterious thing. Even psychologists say that it's the black box. There's so many things that can come from the mind. Um, the mind is very powerful. And because of that, you need God to heal you. And that, that's just what I believe. You don't have to believe that if you don't want to. But this is just me talking. Because the mind can create so many different things to distract us that we can't hear God's voice. We can't hear God's voice saying, I prepared a place for you. Come to me. Get out of that wilderness. You don't need to stay there. You don't need to live there. You don't, you don't make your home in the wilderness. You make your home in the kingdom. You make your home in the recovery. <laughs> in the recovery. I don't know why I had to drag that out. God doesn't want us to stay in one place for too long. Because if we did, we would be comfortable. And there's so many people that are just comfortable with accepting that they're suffering from depression or that they're battling with depression. And they just go about their day as if depression is normal. I used to be that. I, I accepted that in my life. I'm just like, I'm never gonna be better. I'm just gonna be depressed. I'm just gonna have to, you know, deal with it when it comes and when it goes. And there have been times when I used to have anxiety attacks because I would feel it coming on, right? And I would literally just let it happen so that I could calm down afterwards. So that I would just let it happen. I didn't battle it. I didn't fight it. I didn't say, listen, anxiety is not who I am. Depression is not who I am. OCD is not who I am. 
And I will not let these spirits, yes, you know me, I will not let these spirits torture my mind. I didn't have that authority in my life, that that found authority that Jesus put in me. Now I do. <laughs> and I love it because now I don't have anxiety attacks. I don't get depressed. I don't have to react to, you know, intrusive thoughts. Yes, they do come, but guess what? I laugh at them now because they're not me. Mental illness is a hard road to recover from. And some people, yeah, they've decided to quit. Like, they just decided to live with it. It's much easier just to live in that instead of recovering from it. But it is so rewarding when you conquer it. And I believe that you can conquer it. I believe that anyone can conquer it just as long as they believe in it. Psychologists and, you know, doctors and all of that, psychiatrists, they don't want you to believe that you can recover. They don't want you to believe that you can get better, that you don't, you don't have to be this way all of your life. They're like, oh, well, it's just going to be a part of you, you know, it's part of who you are now, you know, just live with it, you know, here, here's some Xanax or here's some Zoloft to, you know, make, make it a little better. They only want that because that's all they know, for one, and that's all they want is your money. Just like preachers sometimes want your money. They would rather preach you some watered-down gospel of how much Jesus loves you, but not ever talk about the reality of who Jesus was and how human he was and everything that he experienced as a human and how um, lovable he is. They would rather preach about the authoritative God that sends you to hell because you're homosexual or you did drugs or you have tattoos, they would rather preach that because it's their gospel and it's not God's. Because they want to keep you listening. They want you to keep giving the offering bucket. Because if they're a good preacher, they're going to feel like God's themselves. Just like psychologists, therapists, and psychiatrists do the same thing. They do it because they want to feel like gods themselves. I know everything. Listen to me. I know better than you. I'm just going to say this. God sees you. And you're going to answer to him one day. All of you who... All of those preachers. All of those doctors who think that it's okay to siphon money out of people. Instead of actually helping them. You're going to have to answer to God one day, and Lord, do I do not want to be you. But as far as the people who I'm reaching right now that are suffering from mental illness, you don't need to stay that way. You don't 
need to stay that way. If you don't want to stay that way, if you're wishing that you you could be normal, for one, I don't believe that normal exists, but you can still be the you that God made you. You can still be the you, and the you that Jesus made is incredibly beautiful, intricate, and imaginative because God is just a great creator. He has a wonderful imagination and a creative, beautiful mind if he made you. If he made you, you must be something special. If he made you, why in the world would he put a blemish upon you? when you're the only you out there in the world. I could say, oh, Jesus made everyone special in their own way. No, that's the, that's the Sunday school, watered down version. I'm saying if God made you, he must have thought greatly about you. If God made you, you, and you're the only one of you walking around on earth? Excuse me. Um, you're incredible. You're brilliant. You're amazing. God doesn't want you to suffer. God doesn't want you to suffer from mental illness. God, God doesn't want you to suffer from that. God doesn't want you to suffer from domestic abuse or abuse in general or religion. He doesn't want you to suffer from that. He wants you to live and rise above that. He wants you to make it your platform to stand on. Alright. Uh, one of my good friends told a story one day to us. There's a farmer, right? And this farmer was about to get some water from the well. And this well, the, there was a donkey at the bottom of it. The, the baby donkey must have fallen into the well um, trying to get a drink. And so he tried everything to get this donkey out of the well. And at some point, he's like, I'm just going to have to make a new well. I have to bury this donkey. So he digs up some dirt. He throws dirt on top of the donkey because this well is not going to be used anymore because he can't, you know, have the donkey in the well because that would be contaminated. Now I'm starting to <laughs> drift. I'm so sorry. But basically, he was trying to bury the donkey. Because he's like, I'm just going to put him out of his misery. You know, at least I'll be able to do something. So he pours dirt on top of the donkey. And the donkey shook the dirt off and stamped it down onto the ground. And each time the farmer uh, poured dirt on top of the donkey, he shook it off, stamped it, packed it down underneath it. And this went on for about a few hours until the donkey finally made a platform to stand on in order to get out of the well. 
at some point during the farmers he thought he was gonna bury the donkey the donkey met eyes with him and it was like oh oh my god the donkey actually made a platform to stand on the donkey knew exactly what to do to get out of the well isn't that amazing God don't want you to live in the well. He wants you to live on the mountain. He wants you to live. He doesn't want you to live in the wilderness. He wants you to live in the kingdom. And the kingdom has no mental illness. The kingdom does not have any mental uh, problems or um, depression, suicidal thoughts, intrusive thoughts. The kingdom doesn't have that. There is no child of God that is brought on this earth to be defective. There is no child of God. There is no human out there born to be depressed all of their lives or to cut themselves because they feel like they're not good enough or that they have to cut themselves to punish themselves. God does not want that for you. He wants to make stairs for you. Because he has a higher place that he wants you to look out of. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you in the trenches next time. I didn't intend to preach, but I did anyways. So, you know, I'm not sorry. That is for somebody. I love you guys. Goodbye.